0: Hello, my name is Barbara, and this is Neuroscience, Amateur Hour. I am back. I just got back from an amazing vacation that I just, I took with one of my best friends. We've actually known each other all through high school and college, and this was the first time that we've ever been away together, so it was really, really special. But I will say that one of the things that I missed most last week was this podcast, so I am really, really, really happy to be getting back to all of you. So today's episode is inspired by a historical nightmare and the subsequent decades-long experiment that shaped the way we understand childhood neglect and its effects on the developing brain. In 1989, Romanian dictator Nicolae Ceaușescu was overthrown and executed, and the rest of the world discovered that over 170,000 Romanian children were being kept in impoverished institutions and orphanages. These children were being raised not by loving parents or guardians, but by the metal bars of their beds and impersonal nurses. They were fed and changed on a schedule. All too often, they were bottle-fed far past the point where bottles should have been used. As they got older, instead of consuming solid food like the rest of us, they were propped up against the wall and suckled on bottles with extra-wide openings to fit watery gruel instead, leading not only to severe mental deficits, but serious physical ones as well. Importantly, they never left their cribs, and they rarely interacted with anyone who had an ounce of affection for them. A researcher entering an orphanage said that the most striking thing about this place was its silence. With hundreds of children packed into the same prison-like environment, you would expect crying and screaming, some outburst of unhappiness or a cry for attention. But there was nothing. These children had learned quickly that their cries would go unanswered. So from a young age, their whole world was nothing more than an empty crib and unsympathetic adults. The policies that led to this many children suffering under these circumstances are complex and have very strong political overtones. And if that is something that you would like to learn more about, I encourage you to do your own research, but it's not something I'll be covering today. I actually recommend you read the Atlantic article that I've linked in the show notes. It's a really beautiful, in-depth look at this nightmare, actually. (laughs) But after all this came to light, Researchers Nathan Fox, Ph.D. of of the University of Maryland, and his colleagues Charles Nelson, Ph.D. of Harvard Medical School, and Charles Zina, M.D. of Tulane University, formed a team that would follow these children for 21 years. They launched the Bucharest Early Intervention Project, or BIP, in 2000, which was a randomized controlled trial of foster care as intervention for 136 children abandoned at or around the time of birth and placed in one of six institutions for young children in Bucharest, Romania. Half the children, randomly chosen, were placed in high-quality foster care, and the other half remained in institutional care. Researchers followed up at 30 months, 42 months, 54 months, 8 years, 12 years, 16 years, and finally at 21 years when they were adults. Researchers understood that the children in these institutions were not receiving love and affection, things that children need. They are not food or water or shelter or warmth, but children need love. And thus, this was an excellent, if extremely depressing way to study the impact of childhood neglect on the developing brain. Maybe, like me, you're sitting here questioning whether this is ethical, because shouldn't they have tried to send everybody to foster care? But this study is ethical. Foster care did not exist in Romania before this time. It was actually widely mistrusted. People believed that you shouldn't leave your children in the hands of, you know, random people. They were safer in these institutions. And so on top of that, there were also limited placement options for foster care outside of Romania. So they really, truly couldn't send every child to foster care. But that is what this episode is about. The neuroscience of why children need love and affection. It was widely observed that the children that were left in these institutionalized settings devoid of care had delays in cognitive function, motor development, and language. These children also had deficits in socio-emotional behaviors and experienced more psychiatric disorders like depression and anxiety than their peers. For the children that moved into foster care, life seemed to drastically improve. These children showed improvements in language, IQ, and social-emotional functioning. But despite massive improvement, these children still lagged behind their counterparts who had never been institutionalized, supporting the idea that love and affection during a critical period in childhood are vital for proper neural development. The fundamentals of our brains are laid down when we're developing in the womb. But individual experiences shape the way our brains form circuits, which is how we all end up being such different people. For a baby who cries and is promptly picked up and cuddled, who is fed all varieties of apple and avocado baby food, who is loved and paid attention to, their brains start to form connections quickly. Neural pathways multiply, roads that connect the brain regions, encoding fear, anxiety, care, love, attachment, survival, all start to connect to each other. There's this famous neuroscience concept that's very fundamental. Neurons that fire together, wire together. Meaning that over time, if specific networks are activated in concert again and again, strong connections will form. So if the same cells are activated when the baby cries and when that baby is cuddled, over time that baby's brain will associate crying with the comforting nature of cuddles and attention, forming the basis of healthy attachments unfortunately, that is not the case in a neglected child, in whose brain these connections will have difficulty forming. In the brain of a neglected child, there are simply fewer roads, fewer synapses between the relevant brain regions. And neuroscience researchers have been able to measure this phenomenon directly as well. Children who experienced extreme levels of social neglect early in life showed diminished electrical activity in the brain, as measured through electroencephalopathy electroencephalography, or EEGs. Furthermore, institutionally reared children also show differences in the neural reactions that occur as an individual is processing information, such as looking at faces to identify different emotions. They also exhibit decreased brain metabolism and altered structure, function, and connectivity, between different brain regions important for integrating complex information, including cognitive, social, and emotional competencies. One finding was that the children who had stayed in institutions and were not sent to foster care had significantly smaller corpus callosums, the large tract of neurons that connects the left hemisphere of our brains to the right and overall smaller volumes of gray matter. They found that if children were placed in foster care before 15 months, the effects of early neglect on the corpus callosum were reversible, whereas other differences, such as reductions in cortical gray matter volume, were not. Now, this can be interpreted two ways. It's possible that moving to a healthy home environment reversed the damage but it's also possible that early placement into foster care spared children the further neglect or stress that may have led a more direct impact on corpus callosum development. So, what happens if the corpus callosum is thinner? Well, the two hemispheres of the brain may not speak to each other as well, meaning that the brain overall is less able to do mental tasks that involve multiple processes. For example, listening to something while simultaneously recalling a memory. Other researchers have postulated that these different hemispheric responses are a potential adaptation, something that arose out of a survival instinct. This kind of mechanism may provide a basis for a psychological defense mechanism that is often seen in patients with borderline personality disorder, and it's often referred to as black and white thinking. This is an unconscious process where the individual fails to integrate both the positive and the negative qualities of others into one cohesive entity. And instead, they split them into two opposing realities. For example, they may look at a woman who's a mother, and instead of seeing seeing her as someone who is a good person with fundamental flaws, like all of us have, they may consider them two different people. Good mother and bad mother. Now, this in turn can lead to idolizing someone in one moment and despising them the next, oscillating between these two states and never being able to reconcile them, which is another reason why children may have extreme difficulties in forming healthy attachments as an adult. Now, given that we know that neglect is very, very, very bad for children, researchers wanted to study how neglect specifically affects brain regions. On a neuronal level. So they developed an experiment where they placed a cohort of mice in isolation early on in their lives, and then they observed their behaviors and their brains. Researchers found striking abnormalities in the tissues that transmit electrical messages across the brain, suggesting a specific mechanism for some of the dysfunctions seen in neglected children. So following 21 days of isolation, the animal's behavior was documented, which showed that they were antisocial and had significant deficits in memory. But most importantly, their myelin, the cellular, like, sheath that wraps around our neurons like insulation around wires, was thin, especially in the prefrontal cortex, a brain region involved in cognition and personality. And given that these antisocial behavioral traits were also observed in the subjects of the Bucharest Project, This experiment may provide a possible neural mechanism associated with the adverse changes in the brain. Thin myelin may lead to shoddy communication across the brain. Now, another important point is that chronic neglect can also alter the development of biological stress response systems in a way that compromises children's ability to cope with adversity. So there appear to be two primary stress response systems in humans the sympathetic adrenal medullary system, which produces adrenaline and affects heart and respiration rates, and the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal, or HPA axis, which uses cortisol, a stress hormone. And it turns out that cortisol regulation, which is a marker of stress response activation in the HPA axis, is altered in neglected children. Now, in a normal person, we observe a sharp increase in cortisol secretion in the morning to get the body moving and to get ready for the day, followed by a steady decline that bottoms out in the late afternoon or evening as the body gets ready to go back to sleep. In the case of children with chronic neglect, their cortisol secretion levels were significantly lower in the mornings and continue to remain pretty flat across the day. And although these abnormal patterns resolve themselves once children are placed in a healthy home environment, there's some evidence to say that their brain architecture, the way that their body tends to respond to stress, is already developed and it may be weaker than their compatriots. And this, in turn, could have enduring adverse effects throughout life. There is a incredible collection of research out there on the structural and functional changes that neglect may impart on the developing brain. And I have barely dipped a pinky toe in that pool. The Bucharest Early Intervention Project is in fact still active. It's still publishing papers, and I think I saw that between 2020 and 2021, they published something like 10 papers, which is pretty fucking amazing. But it's important to know that it's not just the children in Romania that suffer like this. Childhood neglect remains the most prevalent form of child maltreatment and is associated with greater risk for emotional, behavioral, and interpersonal relationship difficulties later in life. There is a large body of consistent evidence for maltreatment-associated structural deficits in a variety of brain regions, including impersonal interactions, reward, attachment, etc., etc. Now, the especially terrifying thing is that this could be generational, I found this paper, and uh, I choose to treat it with a grain of salt, Uh, but it provided novel evidence that the absence of emotional support early in a mother's life and years before conception is in fact associated with neural changes, specifically in the functional connectivity between the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex in her offspring shortly before birth. That's pretty crazy, right? Now, the reason I treat it with a grain of salt is because the way that they measured this was with an fMRI, or functional magnetic resonance imaging. And there there are some questions about whether or not we are able to really accurately measure things with that kind of imaging. And on top of that, childhood neglect in the mother may correlate with some sort of difference in connectivity between the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex in the child, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the cause of that, you know? (laughs) Correlation does not equal causation. Nevertheless, it's a really, really cool paper, and if it's true, it's kind of terrifying. But yeah, that is a bite-sized look at the neuroscience of neglect. I hope that you enjoyed the episode and you learned something new. I've cited all my relevant sources and papers in the show notes, and you should keep an eye out on Instagram for some cool figures that I think are pertinent. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, queries, or complaints, please email me at neuroscienceamateurhour at gmail.com or DM me at neuroscienceamateurhour on Instagram. This podcast is available on pretty much any platform I can think of, so please recommend it to your friends and your loved ones. Also, if you have something you want to hear about, please contact me, and you'll probably see an episode about it soon. Happy researching, and I hope to see you again.